Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows us who God is, and who He is changes everything. My name is Joanna. And I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. We live in a world with a lot of opinions, which also means a lot of disagreements. We see them play out on social media, in our interpersonal relationships, on the news. Even in the church, believers will have differences in convictions, political views, doctrinal positions. Disagreements will happen, and we have all seen them play out in a way that is hostile or unkind. And as the people of God, we want to make sure that we are disagreeing well. Today, we are chatting about what it looks like to love one another in the midst of our differences and our disagreements. We hope that you'll join us today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of Daily Grace. This is Joanna here with Stephanie. Hey, guys. Hello. So today's topic is one that, man, I think we have all probably faced a lot Mm -hmm. um, through the course of our lives, um, especially with social media being as big as it is, and that is the topic of disagreeing with other people. And we want to talk about how to do that well today, because there is a good way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And before we dive in there, though, we do want to talk about some favorite things. So Stephanie, what is a favorite thing of yours from this week? So I could not think of anything. And so this might be my first food favorite thing to share on the podcast. Mm. I think it's my first. But a friend of mine brought us some cinnamon rolls, like homemade cinnamon rolls. And I'm not that into cinnamon rolls. But these were so delicious, and they were like copycats of like Cinnabons. I don't know if you've oh. heard of Cinnabons, but oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were so good. So I thought, hey, I will share this recipe with our listeners, and it's just one of those recipes that are like really nice to give to like a new neighbor or like to mm-hmm. a new mom, and so. I think it's going to be a good hospitality recipe, so I will share it with everyone in our show notes. Mm, I love that. You know, this past Christmas, I decided to try and make cinnamon rolls homemade for the first time, Uh and a friend of mine told me to use the Pioneer Woman recipe, Oh, and I could not believe how amazing they were. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I can't eat them right now, but it's like they're like swimming in butter and sugar <laughs> and like so much icing. And it's like, I couldn't eat more than one because you just feel like you've eaten like your whole day's food. Yeah. But they are so good. Oh, <laughs> Next we will Christmas, link both recipes. Yes, both recipes. <laughs> What was your favorite thing from this week? Okay, so mine's actually a little bit different than usual. I um, stumbled across an artist recently 
um, on accident while I was doing some research for our writing project. Uh-huh. Um, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, but it's Kelly Cruz. And she has these paintings um, called the True and Better series of paintings. Mm-hmm. And she basically has these gorgeous abstract paintings that represent different types of Christ throughout Ooh. Scripture. And so she has one for Adam, and she has one for Abraham, and she has one for Moses. And they are painted with alcohol ink. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, uh-uh. but it is I guess it's technically not painted, right? But it's this ink that um, has this kind of fluid type look to it. Uh-huh. And so I have gone down the Instagram hole of alcohol ink artists. And it is the coolest thing. They have all these different colors and a lot of people use like gold foil with it. Mm-hmm. So it's like this fluid look with gold foil. Um, anyway, I wish that I could afford the original paintings that this girl makes. I cannot. But I've just fallen in love with alcohol ink paintings and especially this True and Better series. It is seriously gorgeous and so i have tried to reach out to her and i can't i can't get a hold of her because i'm just thinking can you like sell some prints of your beautiful paintings (laughs) um but i'm hoping that i can hear back from her soon but we'll link her in the show notes too yeah that sounds right up our alley and i was actually looking for some art for our new home so Mm -hmm. if she makes a print where it's like affordable (laughs) maybe we will get some All right, now for today's conversation. Like Joanna said, we are going to talk about how we can disagree with others well. And, you know, I feel like this is more of a skill or an art that has to be developed, right? Mm -hmm. But it's worth our time and effort to kind of cultivate this ability because, let's be real, no matter who we are, we are going to find ourselves disagreeing with other people, right? Mm -hmm. Disagreements are part of all of our realities. And, you know, I was thinking earlier about how even in the most intimate earthly relationships that we can have, like with our spouses, um, since Joanna, you and I have spouses, like even in our marriages, we are of one body, but we can find that we're not always of the same mind and we have disagreements from time to time. Yeah. And so, you know, more broadly speaking, We don't have to agree with everything someone says in order to love them or to be um, good listeners. And we don't have to agree with everything someone says in order to extend empathy and compassion and care. And Hebrews 12, 14 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And so we want to talk about what that means and how we can do that today, right? How can we be zealous for the truth and genuinely and respectfully love and care for others, particularly when they disagree with us? Yeah. And, you know, disagreements are going to happen. We are all going to experience disagreeing with other people. And disagreements are hard. Yeah. You know, um, I think that there are a lot of reasons why they are so difficult. But one of them is, you know, we were made as God's image bearers Mm -hmm. to be united to one another. And when we have these disagreements, we can sense this kind of fractured unity. Yeah. And that's a unity that we were made for. You know, I think about Philippians 2, 1 and 2. Paul says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. 
Or Paul in 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. And so the truth is that we are meant to be unified and we don't want there to be disagreements that are going to drive a wedge between us. But this is a reality of our fallen nature. Mm -hmm. Um, We see disagreements happening even in Eden, right? We see this Mm. kind of fractured relationship between Adam and Eve of, oh, she made me do it. Oh, he made me do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we want to kind of explore, you know, how to do that well. So other things that make it difficult are a lot of times we have a very, very strong sense of personal conviction about Mm -hmm. something. Um, And we can feel so passionately about something that it can be really, really hard to hear to even entertain someone else's point, yeah, right? Because it's like, this is a part of us. Yeah. We feel so passionate about it. It's ingrained in who we are. Yeah. And that's kind of connected to the idea of pride, right? Our own personal pride mm-hmm. can make it really hard to have disagreements because we don't want to admit that we could be wrong or that we have something to learn. We want to be the experts, And I totally identify with this. Please don't think that when I say we, I actually mean you. No, I really mean we. You (laughs) know, like we mean I really mean we. (laughs) Yeah, I I absolutely want to be the one who who knows the right answer, Mm. who's done the research, who's got all the info, and the idea of thinking that I could be wrong on something that I am so invested in is really difficult. It's really difficult to humble myself. And you know, disagreements can also just be awkward and uncomfortable. Sometimes they lead to conversations we would much rather not have. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of seem to like spoil that lovely dinner that you were having mm-hmm. or that fun girls trip that you were having. It's like, oh man, disagreements are just inconvenient a lot mm-hmm. of times. And so they're just not easy to deal with. Yeah. Definitely hard. I'm not a fan. And you know, I think it's hard <laughs> on both sides to be the one confronted with an opposing view or opinion and the one to receive the opposition. Yeah. And a lot of us get squirmy just thinking about engaging in these tough conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm right there with you. You know, we wonder if we'll be stumped and feel insecure. We wonder if we'll face feelings of defensiveness or frustration or anger. Even we wonder if, you know, it'll turn into a heated argument and we might just, throw up our hands and say, okay, let's just agree to disagree and not feel this kind of like reconciliation. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to remember that it's actually healthy to acknowledge areas of disagreement because these deeper conversations, you know, that involve wrestling with our differences um, in a constructive and respectful way can actually be a means to deepen our relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, every reason you shared, Joanna, about why disagreements are hard can actually be turned into a reason why we should work through our disagreements. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we don't want our disagreements, especially amongst fellow believers, to fester because then we're not going to be truly united in heart and mind. You know, we always want to align our personal conscience to truth. And sometimes we can find that we have blind spots that need to be exposed. Um, we want our personal pride to be exposed because that is a sin. And we want to always remember that, you know, we're not God. We're not all knowing. 
And we don't want to have relationships where we're unable to confront and overcome the awkwardness um, that comes with hard conversations because we want to truly know and value and love each other. And this doesn't mean that we're seeking out conflict, right? The goal isn't to nitpick and purposefully find points of contention with those around us. But it's understanding that conflict is a reality of our fallen world. So we want to work through them with the goal of reconciliation. And so we have to choose to see conflict or disagreements as opportunities for positive growth and positive change in ourselves and in our relationships. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, more often than not, that isn't what ends up happening. <laughs> and it's because it's, it is so hard and we do have so much pride involved. And, you know, there mm-hmm. are so many things that we can disagree over. I think about um, political issues, mm-hmm. social issues, issues of doctrine, even within the church, yeah. um, issues about the best way to spend your time or raise your kids or what kind of job you should be doing. There are so many different things that we can be disagreeing on. And, you know, there are a lot of things to consider when we approach disagreements with Mm -hmm. other people. And a big one is we need to consider who it is that we are disagreeing with. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I think we need to slightly approach differently how we disagree with believers versus unbelievers. Because Mm -hmm. the thing is, when we're talking to believers or we're talking to people who have not believed, the standard of truth varies. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you what I mean. An unbeliever is not going to be swayed by the argument because the Bible says so, Mm -hmm. right? Because they don't believe that the Bible is the standard of truth. Mm -hmm. Now, among believers, that should be the most compelling argument, right? If we believe that God's word has the final say on all truth, Mm -hmm. then that is going to be the thing that we should all be coming back to. What Mm -hmm. does the Bible say? What does it teach? But it doesn't hold any ground for the unbeliever. Yeah. Now, does that mean that we compromise on the truth when speaking with an unbeliever? No. Does it mean that we never speak the truth of Scripture to unbelievers? Of course not. Does it mean that we tell unbelievers that it's fine for them to live in ways that are contrary to God's word? Absolutely not. And in fact, to do so would be unloving and it would be wrong. Yeah. You know, I think about Matthew 18, 5 and 6, and it's Jesus and he's speaking about children, um, but this just kind of applies to the way that we interact with people in general. Mm -hmm. He says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. That is very strong language. Yeah. But Jesus is telling us we should never, as believers, lead people into sin. Mm-hmm. And if we say that it's okay for you to live the way that you want because you're not a believer, that's what we are doing, mm-hmm. right? Or Romans 6.21 says, but what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Sin leads to death. Mm -hmm. And so to tell people that they can go on sinning would be to be unloving because we are actually telling them to go on barreling towards death. Mm, But here is what it does mean. Here is what it does mean when we consider that unbelievers do not have the same standard of truth 
It means that we have to be careful not to make all of these morality-based arguments about what we should and shouldn't do without the gospel as the reason why we can do them and why we should do them. Yeah. We have to realize that those who have not been transformed by the gospel will not and cannot see the glorious truth of God's goodness and holiness and why his righteous standards are good. Mm, yeah. You know, Ephesians 4.18 and Romans 6.21 talk about people who have not received the gospel having darkened understanding, having darkened hearts. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says that the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, to those who do not know the gospel, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And what we would want for our fellow image bearers is for them to see the power of the gospel and not have it be clouded by all of these legalistic mm. moral statements that they have no grounds to believe. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, unbelievers don't need to be convinced of right and wrong. They need to be transformed by the spirit. Mm -hmm. They don't need a list of moral standards. They need the gospel. And it is then that they receive and believe the gospel and only then that they will be able to see why the commands of the Lord are good and holy and not foolish. And so when we are speaking to unbelievers that we are disagreeing with, we need to ask ourselves, is the gospel central to what we are talking about? This is where it has to start. It has to start with the gospel. Yeah, man, that's a good word. I feel like we could end there. <laughs> <laughs> See you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true, right? We need to always keep that at the forefront of our minds mm. as we engage with a wide variety of people, which we all do. Um, yeah. The gospel is the ultimate solution to the ultimate conflict between God and man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those of us in Christ can't forget that we are called to be ministers of reconciliation, right? The gospel is the message of reconciliation in the person and work of Christ. And so we're supposed to be peacemakers living in such a way that testifies to the truth that Jesus is the source of true peace. And like you said, Joanna, this does not mean approaching disagreements with the blanket statement of because the Bible says so. Because sometimes what communicates the gospel during disagreements is the way we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Where we're gentle and patient and loving toward others. Um, but when it comes to disagreements with believers, um, like you said, Joanna, it's different. Um, because the Bible said so should be the most compelling argument because we ought to hold the word of God as our ultimate authority on truth. So then, first and foremost, when we have disagreements with fellow believers, we have to ask ourselves, is this disagreement based on scripture or is it based on something else? And in order to answer that, we have to be aware of what is clearly stated in scripture, right? We have to be reading and studying it on our own. And I read a quote today that was really applicable here. It said, we have to tell the difference between the differences that make a difference and the differences that don't make a difference. And hmm. essentially what this means is we have to be aware of what we're dealing with, right? Are our disagreements regarding the primary issues of the Christian faith, which are clearly stated in scripture, or are they secondary or even tertiary issues? There's a huge difference between disagreeing on the Trinity or the deity of Christ 
versus disagreeing on how often a church should partake in communion or the style of worship during a church service. And so we have to have a level of biblical fluency to make those distinctions, right? We have to exercise discernment regarding biblical truth that will guide us in our disagreements with, you know, fellow professing believers. Yeah, I think that's so important to realize that there is the hill to die on, and that is the gospel and the foundations of our faith. Like you said, we can't have the gospel without believing that Jesus is God himself. Yeah. We can't have the gospel without the Trinity. If it's not a necessity for the central truth of the gospel, it's not a hill to die on, and it should not be a cause for division among us. Yeah. And you know, as we think about this, there are so many of these secondary and tertiary issues that we can have amongst believers have disagreements on, but that doesn't have to fracture our unity. Mm, Yep. For example, you know, the Presbyterian church in general believes in infant baptism. Mm -hmm. They believe that you should baptize babies because they believe that baptism as a better sign than circumcision is a way of initiating a child into the covenant community Mm -hmm. of faith. Whereas if you go to the Baptist church, they believe that baptism should be a profession of faith by believers only. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, the Baptist church and the Presbyterian church align on a lot of things Mm -hmm. and can get along quite nicely, actually. But they have a big difference in doctrine on this issue of baptism. Mm -hmm. You know, some other ones that might come up are whether or not it's okay to drink alcohol. Or whether or not we should celebrate certain holidays, like Halloween. That's a big one that comes Mm -hmm. up a lot, right? Some of these are issues of conscience. They're not primary issues. You know, I can give a personal example. This would definitely be a conscience issue, um, is I have friends who I go to church with that we agree on the same principles of discipline for Mm -hmm. our children, why we discipline children, um, what the goal is in disciplining children. But we have differences of belief about how that logistically plays out, about Mm -hmm. what the actual discipline actions look like. And so that is something that we can actually be united on this principle of disciplining our children to show them the need for holiness and to offer them the grace that we've been given as children of God. Mm -hmm. But the way that we carry that out is going to look different. And that does not have to cause division among us. Yeah, I mean, I can just remember last week having a disagreement with a really close friend of mine who I know we theologically align on all of the primary issues. And she's a dear sister in Christ. Um, But we disagreed on you know, a personal conscience issue. And yeah, was it a hard conversation? Yes. But do we leave it like loving each other less or respecting each other less? No. And so Mm -hmm. I think there is a way that we can, you know, go about these issues. And I think um, there can just be a tendency for some believers to kind of pride themselves in their orthodoxy 
to the point of condescending those who don't adhere to the same doctrinal beliefs or mm. um, to those who may not share the intensity of conviction that they feel. And I bring this up because this is something that I have had to repent of more than once. Mm-hmm. And Me so, <laughs> yeah, it's just this reminder that we have to guard our hearts. We have to continually self-examine our motives, um, our you know goals and Yeah. Going back to Matthew 18, which you mentioned, I love verse 10 and it says this, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. And so what this is saying is that we don't ever want to treat fellow image bearers with contempt, fellow believers with contempt, um, which can be really easy to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's so important to know who we are disagreeing with and try to identify their standard of truth um, in order to kind of help us engage in a healthy, respectful conversation. And really acknowledging these differences up front could help us kind of have a framework for the disagreement and help us to just be better listeners. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think that we could have a tendency to actually be harsher with fellow believers because we think, oh, they should know better. Like, they they should agree with me. But the truth is that we need grace daily and mm-hmm. we should be giving grace. Um, and that is not something that changes whether it's a believer or an unbeliever. True. And, you know, we also have to recognize that apart from differing on our standards of truth, we also could have different personal experiences and personal preferences, whether we're talking about believers or unbelievers here. Mm -hmm. You know, our personal experiences are going to shape the way that we view the world Mm -hmm. and how we interpret the world. And so it's really important for us as individuals to recognize that because of our own experiences, our own upbringing, um, or our own lack of experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Because of what we what, what we haven't had to go through. This could create a gap in our own understanding, a gap in our understanding of the world around us, a gap in our understanding of what our neighbors have had to experience. Yeah. Um, and this can create bias within us because we are going to interpret the world through our experiences. And we need to be able to step back and recognize that mm-hmm. because biases can sometimes incorrectly shape the way that we view things. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we just need to be aware of and recognize and analyze in ourselves is my personal experience that I have gone through shaping the way that I'm viewing this issue or this person's experience in a way that is not accurate. Yeah, you're so right. And I think that has been a blessing of the madness that is 2020, right? Mm. Just this exposure of our own preferences and our own biases that, you know, we may not even know that we have. Mm -hmm. And while it may be painful to confront, while it may be painful to even confess when it is brought to our attention, this awareness can be really powerful because it allows us to listen with more open and empathetic ears. And Mm -hmm. when we are aware that our own limited experiences can potentially prevent us from understanding someone else's position or opinion accurately, 
it forces us to be cautious when we engage in disagreements, right? Mm -hmm. Because we never want to misrepresent the opposing person's view or position, right? Which we can so easily do if we're, you know, selectively listening or just, you know, tied to our own lens of interpretation. And this is actually a general principle of apologetics. Tim Keller puts it this way. He said, do all the work necessary until you can articulate the views of your opponent with such strength and clarity that he or she could say, I couldn't have said it better myself. Mm -hmm. And so that is disagreeing well, right? That is listening well. That is, you know, having an awareness of your own biases and limitations at that requires asking good questions and that requires putting in the effort to really understand someone else's point of view but that is what's going to enable us to disagree well with others yeah you know that makes me think i used to be a high school teacher at a private christian school around here and i taught english and bible mm-hmm. um, and i actually graduated from that school and so one of my teachers turned co-workers Mm -hmm. had this exercise that he did in his classes. And I think he did it especially in his ethics class, Mm -hmm. but it was called a value line. And I don't know if this is his or if he got it from someone else, Mm -hmm. Um, but what he would do is he would bring up an issue that people could differ on. Mm -hmm. Um, And he would say, if you are on this end of the spectrum, stand on this side of the room. If you're on this end of the spectrum, stand on the other side. And you'd have people line themselves up based on what their position is on this issue. Mm -hmm. So you have a line of students. And then he would essentially fold the line in half so that you are facing the person who has the opposite perspective that you have. Mm -hmm. And what he had them do is listen to the other person's perspective, and then they had to present the other person's argument to the class. Mm. And that person had to say whether or not they presented it fairly. Yeah, And that just hit me as, wow, what a great exercise. Because we can get so in our own position, Mm -hmm. we can get so stuck in our own point of view that it seems impossible for us to even hear the other person. Mm, yeah. But when we are trying to explain a position that we disagree with in such a way that is convincing, then we can understand the other person and where they're coming from and probably learn something new for ourselves. Because yeah. let's be honest, none of us are perfect experts on every issue. Right. <laughs> we just aren't. No. And you know, it, just, it makes me think of those times when you are talking to somebody and maybe you are getting to a disagreement and then you learn something about their story mm-hmm. or their experience and you start to backtrack because you think, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I didn't realize. I didn't know you'd been through that. I didn't know you're coming from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And that should make us stop and think, hey, before we come in guns blazing, we need to take a step back and be good at listening. Mm-hmm. Um, And what we want to do is listen with the goal of learning. Mm. Um, You know, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body of Christ. And it talks about how we are all members of one body. And we have strengths and we have weaknesses. And because of that, we need each other. And this passage is talking specifically about spiritual gifts. I also believe that this applies to our experiences, our knowledge base, mm-hmm. our our positions that we might have, our understanding of issues that we might have that someone else doesn't have. And so the truth is that we 
need each other. Um, we're going to have areas of expertise or understanding that others don't and vice versa. Yeah. And so that means that we need to be quick to hear from other people in the body. But, you know, we can also learn from those who aren't part of the body of Christ. We yeah. can also learn from other believers. And yes, we should always filter what we hear through scripture. But we have to realize that other people have something to contribute that we don't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is true because of this thing that theologians call common grace. And that is basically that there is a level of grace that God gives to all of creation. Mm -hmm. And that means that he gives abilities and knowledge and talents to people who aren't part of the body of Christ, mm -hmm. um, that they are able to contribute. And so we can learn from other people. Yep. We can benefit. We can grow. We can be sanctified, even listening to those who are not part of the body of Christ because of God's common grace mm -hmm. to all creation. And you know, the truth is that most of the time we tend to listen, and I say listen in quotation marks, while trying to formulate what our rebuttal or our response is going to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the truth is that isn't really listening. Yeah. And it's a sign of pride because our goal in doing that is to prove that we are right. Um, and it leads to a refusal to hear something that might actually change your mind. And again, I am saying this because I am guilty of this too. Even just this past weekend, I was having some conversations with some different family members and we disagreed on some issues and I had to actively remind myself mm -hmm. listen really listen stop forming your rebuttal mm -hmm. stop forming your argument see if you have something to learn here and I actually did I did have something to learn and my viewpoint was changed to an extent Mm -hmm. So we need to be quick to hear and really hear yeah. with the attitude that we are the ones who have something to learn here. Yeah, that's a good word that I need to hear for sure. And, you know, I think we don't even realize how almost instinctive it is for our human brains to quickly fill in the gaps for people or make mm -hmm. assumptions or formulate defenses and yeah, listening well, like truly listening is an art and it's hard. Um, but we are called to, you know, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. That's James 119. And we can't do this without the Spirit's help, right? I think of um, James 3, how it says in verse 8, that no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And so this is just the reminder that we need the Lord's help in this to tame our tongues, um, to be slow to speak, which contributes to our ability to listen well. And we want to have open ears and open hearts to hear and identify truth on both sides. You know, not that we compromise the truth, but we're intently listening to both sides to hear truth if it's there. And I guess what I'm saying is that we don't want to listen in such a way to just kind of find evidence that supports our position, right? If we're zealous for truth, then we want error on either side to be illuminated. And so mm -hmm. I think it's actually helpful to put in the effort to listen for and identify the strengths of the opposing person's views in order to engage in constructive disagreement and in order to just kind of open ourselves to learning. 
Yes, I love that. We should be more interested in the truth being revealed than in being right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that is something that is so hard, but it's such an important reminder that, you know, we serve a God who is the God of truth. Mm-hmm. So this, this is what we should be zealous for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of times in these arguments, these disagreements, we have the tendency to act as if we are all knowing. I think you mentioned that earlier, Stephanie. You know, we act like we are the expert and everybody else needs to learn from us. Um, but we have to acknowledge here that we are limited in our knowledge. Mm-hmm. God is the only one who is all-knowing. He is the only one who is omniscient, which just means all-knowing. And so when we look to God, who is all-knowing, that should humble us. And that humility should change the way that we approach disagreements. Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking about Job. I feel like he's the perfect example of being humbled by the omniscience of God and his lack of knowledge in response. You know, he goes to God and he says, basically, God, explain yourself. Why are you letting all these things happen to me? I think you missed the mark here. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand why this happened. And man, God sits there and hears Job's complaint. And then his response He says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And God goes on for two chapters <laughs> describing the works of the Lord, the eternal God who was there from the beginning, who has all knowledge and saying, mm-hmm. where were you, Job? Where were you when all of this happened? Yeah. And I love Job's response after this huge <laughs> speech that God gives. He says, behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. His Mm -hmm. response is total humility because he has been humbled. He has seen that God is all-knowing and that he is not. You know, that should be our attitude, not only when coming before God, but when coming before others that we disagree with. We Mm -hmm. need to recognize that we don't have all of the answers. Neither do they, but when we come, we can be humble. Um, And if we are unwilling to change our minds, then that's saying that we're claiming to be Mm all-knowing, even if we wouldn't say it. That is what we are declaring with the way that we are acting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a hard thing to have to say, you know what? I was wrong. At least that's a hard thing for me. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if anybody else identifies with that, but I really like to be right. I really like to get the final say. Mm -hmm. I really want to have that kind of I told you so moment Mm -hmm. where I convinced the other person that I was right all along. Yeah. But the truth is that we are free to be wrong. We are free to admit our mistakes because our identity is not based in what we know or whether or not we are right, but it's based in Christ who knows all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about this in our episode on our sin being exposed, which was episode 79, but it is a good thing when we see how we are wrong. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing to be corrected. It's a good thing for our sin to be exposed and our our faulty way of thinking to be exposed and Mm -hmm. our gaps in understanding to be exposed because it leads to growth. It leads to sanctification. And that is the will of God for us, our sanctification. 
And the thing is, we are all wrong about a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) And so praise God when he reveals them to us, right? And he often does that through other people. Mm -hmm. That's a gift when other people are able to show us where we need to grow, where we have a lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this also means that we need to be gracious to other people when they change their minds. You know, we don't need to have that I told you so attitude that we love to have. We love that (laughs) satisfaction. But think about how crummy that feels Mm -hmm. when someone else has that attitude towards you. Mm-hmm. It's it's degrading. It makes you not want to humble yourself. Makes you not want to admit that you're wrong. We need to be gracious with other people, even when we are right. Mm-hmm. We need to respond with humility, um, because yeah. that is the grace that Christ gives us, and we are called to give it to others. Yeah, I just love that word, and just leaving room and and offering grace as people grow. Right? We want to be after each other's sanctification and growth, yeah. and and really be encouraging. Um, not condemning or not belittling or, you know, so absolutely. And, you know, Jesus, who was all knowing, was clothed in humility. And of Mm. course, he is our ultimate example and model for life and godliness. And so we look to him to see how we can disagree well with others, right? Um, We want to be compassionate like he was. Um, we want to deeply care about others' eternal well-beings like he is. Um, you know, when we're gentle and kind and patient and loving as he is, that is how we can engage with people who are not of like mind. Um, but, you know, I think we have a greater propensity to forget our limitedness mm-hmm. when we're engaging online. You know, when we're behind our phones, it's easier to feel like we're all-knowing because we have an endless amount of resources at our fingertips and we can all have our own little self-established platforms online. So it's easier for us to exert our opinions on anything and everything. Mm. And so personally, I think when it comes to disagreements, a good kind of general rule of thumb is to not engage in disagreements behind screens. Um, It's just so easy for us to forget that there is an actual person behind the screen. And so if we're tempted to engage online, I think it's helpful to just ask ourselves like, hey, how would I respond to this person if we were face to face? And let that kind of guide you in your response. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a good question to ask ourselves. Like, do we always need to take a stance on things online polarizing issues that Mm -hmm. come up. And I think, like you said, sometimes, perhaps usually, the internet is not the best place to have conversations about polarizing topics. Yeah, Um, A lot of times, the comment threads that we see on controversial posts are dominated by people who aren't there to learn, but are there to win an argument. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of anger that comes out online because like you said, it's easy to hide behind a screen and to not see the person on the other side of it. Um, And it turns to hatred. Um, And so it can be really unhealthy in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Now, I do want to say, I am not dismissing social media. Um, It can be a helpful tool even in these areas where we tend to have disagreements. You know, I have to say that I personally have learned a lot recently through social media. It has been a means for me to be able to hear from people that I don't otherwise get to hear from and to understand the experiences of people whose experiences are totally different from mine. Um, I've seen 
a lot of good conversations take place on social media mm-hmm. recently. I've seen a lot of humility on social media. But, you know, I have to say that I have grown even more from face-to-face conversations with individuals that yeah. I've had. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And, you know, I think that that phrase, as fits the occasion, Mm -hmm. is really important Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of things that we should have opinions on, Mm -hmm. that we should have a biblical stance on. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it is not the occasion to speak our opinion. Yeah. And often, very often, that is the case online. Mm -hmm. Not always, but often. And you know, this principle is not just true for social media, but it's true all the time. We have to consider, is this the occasion to speak my opinion on this issue? Mm -hmm. Or is this not the right time? Right? Sometimes it is just a time for us to listen Sometimes it is a time for us to hear when people are sharing their brokenness and their own personal experiences. Mm -hmm. And even though we may disagree with the conclusion that they come to, it might not be the best time to shout our opinions. So we need to ask ourselves when we are wondering, should I speak up about this issue that I am disagreeing with someone on? Will it build up? Mm -hmm. Is it for the good of the person hearing? Does it fit the occasion? Mm -hmm. And will it give grace to those who hear it? And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we being quick to make a point or are we always pointing to the cross? Yeah, man, that's a good word. (laughs) And, And you're right. I have also learned so much from others on social media, but I think it's just exercising wisdom and knowing when to speak up with authority on a topic and when to assume the position of student and just listen and learn from others. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, we want to listen with the goal of reconciliation. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And so in every conversation, we want to remember that we're representing the God of the Bible. And so our choice of words, our tone of voice, and our body language should all align with how Scripture describes as one who is walking by the Spirit. Mm, And when we engage with the goal of reconciliation, with the goal of upholding truth as found in Scripture, then we're going to keep things God-centered, not self-centered, right? There won't be room for pride or self-promotion or sarcasm or mockery. Mm. And so if our motive is to proclaim the gospel and bring glory to God, then that'll influence how we disagree with others. And I love this verse from Romans 12, 10. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. And and I think that's applicable even here. And, and it ties in well with Ephesians 4, 29. And again, we won't do this perfectly. Um, honestly, no one does it perfectly all the time. We'll fail. But as we grow in the Lord, um, we will, by his grace, grow in our ability to disagree with others well. Yeah. Man, I love that verse. And that is such a good question to ask ourselves. Are we seeking to show honor to the Mm. person 
that we are disagreeing with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so often our goal isn't reconciliation. It's to triumph over the other person. We want to be people who even in our disagreements honor one another. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I was thinking also about 1 Peter 2.12 that says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And, you know, I think that as Christians, we tend to spoil a lot of opportunities to share the hope of the gospel by poor conduct. Mm. You know, this shows up in the way that we dig in our heels and bare our teeth Mm -hmm. when it comes to certain social issues or political issues or whatever it may be. But this verse is telling us that we should be interacting with others in such a way that there is nothing that they can say against us, Mm. right? That when when they try to speak against us as evildoers, our conduct leaves them with nothing to say. Mm. Um, And unfortunately, that's not the way that we always respond, but that is what God calls us to. And we want to be people who share the love of Christ with others, even in our disagreements. I think so often we forget that our goal in interacting with other people isn't to justify ourselves. It's not to be right. It's not to make ourselves feel good about ourselves and to show them how wrong they are. It's to show them the gospel. Yep. You know, we are to be gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, just as God is towards us. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about Christ, who you said, Stephanie, is our perfect model. Mm -hmm. He enters into our pain. And he does this even when we are totally wrong, right? He came to earth in order to die for sinners. He came as a human, took on our sin, and bore our pain and suffering that we rightly deserved. And so we want to listen and enter into the pain of others even if they're wrong. Yeah. We want to be compassionate and empathetic like Christ is, even if we disagree with them. Yeah. We want to be like Jesus who didn't refuse to associate with people because he disagreed with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about this idea, this is kind of a term that's been going around of the cancel culture, this idea that if you disagree with one thing that somebody says or does, that they are canceled. Mm-hmm. You're done with them. You're unfollowing them, you're deleting them, whatever, they're gone, they're dead to you. But this is not what Christ did. Christ drew near. He ate with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes, those people that everyone else shunned. And Mm -hmm. he invited them to experience his love as he offered them the hope of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so we want to look past the disagreements, no matter how big they are, no matter how divisive they are, and we want to see a fellow image bearer in need of the gospel just like we are. Mm -hmm. And this does not mean that we are compromising on the word of God. On the contrary, we are modeling the word of God so that we can speak the gospel and that others can receive it. Mm, And, you know, this is true for the way that we interact with unbelievers, but it's also true for the way that we interact with believers. Because let's be real, we all need the gospel every single day. And so we need to be people who extend the hope and the love of the gospel to all people. 
Man, I hope that you guys found this conversation as helpful as I did. Um, And thanks for joining us today. You know, we encourage you to share this episode if it was helpful to you. Um, We would love to have more people join our conversation. And a good way to do that is to leave us a review on iTunes. It just helps spread the word. And so, yeah, thanks for joining us. We will list all of the verses that we mentioned in this episode in our show notes, which you can find on iTunes or on our website, which is dailygracepodcast.com. And yeah, we look forward to joining you all again next week.